Welcome to the Today Counts show. Today does count because it impacts, it influences your tomorrow and the day after that and the day after that. The Today Counts podcast is sponsored by the generous donors of the Lead Today community. I'm your host, Kim Piper. Hey, all welcome back to the Today Counts show. I'm going to talk to you today about one of the most important topics in leadership. I want to talk to you today about one of the most important things in life, and that has to do with your kids, has to do with raising kids, raising kids who win, raising kids of faith, raising strong kids, raising kids that you can be proud of, raising kids that will take care of you. And if you think this is an easy thing, oh my goodness, you are in for a shock. So, what are my qualifications for this? Well, first of all, uh, man, have I made mistakes. Man, have I done some good things. I am 63 years of age at the time that I'm recording this podcast. Um, we raised two kids. We lost one child in a late, 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 devastating miscarriage. That was our first child. Our second is uh, was a boy. Uh, to, who today is married. He's 30. He'll be 38 years old here real soon. He is married to a wonderful woman. They have four children. He is a extremely successful individual. Uh, he is growing every day as a father, as a man. Um, his wife is uh, a superhero. She's an amazing lady. Not going to go into all the things that they do because it would take the whole podcast. My daughter and her husband are also amazing people. She is an educator. She is a successful athletic coach. Her husband has been a professional athlete in the world of lacrosse. He is now a professional in cybersecurity. Um, they also gave us three grandkids. So if you add that up, four and three, we have seven grandchildren. Currently, from the ages of four to 14, they are all so different from one another. Love them to death. If you're not a grandparent yet, oh my goodness, what a fun thing that is. It's a crazy thing. I thought being a dad was 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 amazing, coming out of marriage you know, marriage is a creation of God. It's designed by God. Um, we, we, we do better together. So marriage is an amazing thing. Marriage is a battle in and of itself. Uh, marriage makes you a better person. I've been married for 43 years uh, to my wonderful bride, Rhonda. Sometimes we have great uh, spreads, great seasons where life is bliss. And other times we look at each other and say, oh my goodness, are you kidding me? How are we going to get through this season? That's the way marriage can be from time to time. We have both always loved being a parent. It is joyful. It is painful. It is difficult. It is honoring. It is a blessed experience. It is a mixed bag of all kinds of stuff. Being a grandparent is a lot the same way. You you worry about these kids. You celebrate with these kids. You love these kids. Uh, they make you laugh. Grandkids make you laugh. <laughs> it is a fantastic thing. So 
That is an almost four-minute introduction to the content that I want to give you. So when it comes to raising winning kids, let me start by saying, if you are married and you're raising kids, the best thing that you can do for your kids, the, the best gift that you can give, the most sustaining impact that you can have on your kids, first will be about your faith. And followed very closely in that will be an incredible marriage. If you work on your marriage, if you make your marriage everything that it needs to be, you almost don't even need to hear this podcast after this. I mean, you do, and you want to, trust me. But if you listen to the content of this podcast and don't work on your marriage, it won't have the same impact as if you work on your marriage, making that your number one priority. And then, as a married couple, work on the following thing. So if I were to title this, I guess I would title it Raising Kids That Win, Raising Kids Who Win. And I want to share with you five principles. I heard a message like this somewhere back in my 20s, and I have embraced the message. I have modified the message to fit me and to fit what I've learned. But it's very similar to a message that I heard in my 20s. If I could remember who shared it, I would give them credit. Anyway, five things you need to do in order to raise kids who win. Number one, pray for your kids. Pray for them. I don't mean every once in a blue moon. I do not mean when they're in trouble. I don't mean when their life is hanging in the balance. You will obviously do that. It will be a default mechanism because you will turn to the only one who can help you in that situation. I'm not talking about those situations. I'm talking about on a daily basis. Pray for them whether you're going to do it in the morning, whether you're going to do it in the evening, whether you're going to do it when you drop them off at the bus stop, whether, you know, wherever it is, you need to pray for your kids. When you pray for your kids, it opens up your eyes to the other things that you need to see. Because if you don't pray for your kids, you'll be consumed with worry. You'll be consumed with paranoia. You'll be uh, consumed with irritations and frustrations. Uh, you'll be lost in the weeds. You'll be in the weeds. Praying for your kids pulls you out of the weeds. Um, when you pray for your kids, pray for them not just today, but pray for them tomorrow. Pray for them in the tomorrows. Pray for their friends, that, that they would uh, meet good friends. Pray for their future spouse. Pray that 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 God would guide them and help them navigate. Pray for your kids' kids. Pray for your future grandkids. And if you have grandkids, pray for your great-grandkids. You may say, I don't have them. I don't know them. That's okay. God is not bound by time. You can pray and transcend time by praying for those that you haven't even met yet. Pray for your kids. Pray for their spouses pray for their grandkids, pray for their heart, pray that that they would come to faith, pray protection over them, pray for wisdom in raising them properly, spend time praying for their wounds, their boo-boos, but also 
Pray that God would give them strength. Pray that they'd become great men and women of faith. Pray for them. Pray for them to be difference makers. You come up with the names. That, that's up to you. Pray for them to be warriors, matriarchs, patriarchs. Pray that they would be leaders in your city. Pray that they'd be leaders in your community. Pray for them. And if you see them and they don't seem to measure up to you, see them in a different light. See them as they can be and pray for those things. The first thing that you can do for your kids is to pray for them unceasingly every day in those categories and more. Pray for your kids. That's number one. Number two, and these will all start with the letter P to help you remember. I hope that you'll scratch these these notes out in, in, in your notes on your smartphone or in your journal. Write these things down. Number one, pray for your kids. Number two, protect your kids. Protect your kids. I occasionally meet parents who delegate the raising of their children to the world, to the neighborhood, to the school systems, to the churches. Uh, uh, That blows my mind. Some of them say to me, well, we want them to make their own decisions. Of course you do, but you want them to make informed decisions. Are you telling me that you're willing to delegate your influence on your kid's life to other people? Are you so busy in your own life? Now, come on, that, that you would delegate that, that you would give that away? There is no one more influential in the lives of your kids than you, especially when they're little, especially when they're small. And yes, there will be people who will begin to pull at your influence as they get older, as they become teenagers, as they become young adults. But this is the time, if they're younger, to cement in them, if there's anyone who loves them, if there's anybody who cares for them, if there's anybody who has planted seeds in them, it's you. And you will not give that up. You will protect them from what? Well, you protect them from the media, dear God. And the media in their lifetime may be different than yours, but now it's not just what they watch on television. Um, I mean, television itself is becoming a, a word of the past on social media, on, on YouTube, on the apps that you have, on your monitor at home. Protect them from that. Don't turn your head away from that. There is an agenda out there to capture them for money's sake, for influence's sake. What you think might be cute is the breadcrumbs that lead them to disaster. When they are young, now, now granted, There are different stages of protection that you need to employ, but when they are young, man, we are talking shelter, 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 shelter. Shelter those kids. Don't expose them to the world. Don't do that. Not when they're really young and impressionable. We'll talk about how to deal with that here in the next point. But protect them from the media. Protect them from the education. Now, there's a lot of really good teachers out there, teachers like my daughter who care about these kids, who care about worldviews, who care about things, common sense, logical kind of people. But if you don't think that there is a system to indoctrinate your children, 
Oh my word, how naive that is. Protect them from the spirit of education that does not line up with your values. You are in charge of bringing values into the soul, into the heart, into the mind of your small children. Protect them from the media, protect them from the educational system that does not line up with with your family values. And, you know, whether you have school of choice or not, make it your business to have school of choice. And there's all kinds of opportunities out there besides just taking it to the closest opportunity. Sometimes you have to sacrifice to do what is right to educate your kids. Protect them physically. Protect them physically. Be careful about the physical places that they can go. What what kind of safeguards in there that they would not be left alone with somebody that you don't know that you can't trust? Or maybe you think you can trust, but can you? Can you? I know I'm talking a little bit of paranoia here, but when it comes to protecting those little ones, you know, the Bible says that we need to protect those who cannot protect themselves. Speak for those who cannot speak for themselves. What's a little five-year-old going to do in certain situations? Nothing. They are a lamb led to slaughter. This is war. You have to remember that it is the core of your home that can protect them. Protect them from the media, protect them from education, protect them from dangerous physical places. You know, teach them stranger danger. Teach them about looking both ways before they cross the street. You know, this world hates the word judgment. I'm telling you to love the word judgment. Teach the kids how to make decisions with a sound mind, sound judgments. They need to learn how to judge for themselves. Capital J, judge, judge, judge. This is the place of protecting. Teach them what good friends look like. Teach them to be stronger and to have greater security so that they don't cave to simply being liked by their kids. Let them be the pace setters. Teach them what a good friend looks like. Share with them what bad behavior looks like. Get ahead of what they're going to get exposed to in the backyard, behind the bushes, with just a couple of kids. Be a little bit paranoid when it comes to the protection of those kids, especially when they're little. If you do that, they'll be shocked by the things they see when they get older and most likely run from them. All right. First principle, pray for your kids. Second principle as a parent is you got to protect those kids, especially when they're younger. The third thing that you do is you prepare them. You can't just simply shelter them, circle the wagons. You can't. They have to live in a real world. And God wants them to live in a real world, to be a difference maker, right? To be an ambassador of heaven. How do you do that? Well, you got to have discipline in your family. You, you got to teach them how to study. You got to teach them how to practice. You got to teach them character. If they have soccer practice and they just think it's hard and they want to quit, they can't quit. Once they make a commitment to a team, they finish that commitment. If they don't want to play the following year, that's fine. Teach them character. If they have chores to do, give them chores. If they don't have chores to do, dear God, give them a job to do in their house. Teach them how to make their bed. They need to do that. Give them chores. If you are wealthy individuals and you pay for just about everything to be done at your house, if it's, if it's a house cleaner, if it's, if it's mowing the lawn, can you please, 
Can you please teach your children how to work with their hands? Give them some chores around the house. Find a way to teach them. You might say, well, I'm, I'm trying to teach them how to be a millionaire. If you want to teach them how to be a millionaire, teach them, first of all, how to do manual labor, to be responsible. So build disciplines in your house. Teach them how to think, how to be logical. Um, you know, I, I had a humbling experience happen to me by, by accident. When my son was a grown man, he came to me and said, Dad, you know, you never taught me how to change a tire. I, I, I was paralyzed. How in the world could I have raised a son and not teach him how to change a tire? Yes, it is true that, that, that the service industry has changed radically from when I was a kid. From when I was a kid, you know, you had to learn how to change your own tire. You had to learn how to change your own oil. You, you had to learn how to change your own spark plug. If you were middle class, you didn't drive your car to be taken care of like one goes and gets a massage. Like today, you know, we, we have tire stores where you can go buy and get, get the air filled. You can get your tire fixed. You can get all those things done. Bam, bam, bam. Not so, so much in, in the old days. <laughs> in the old days. I can't believe I'm calling myself in that, in that way. Teach them discipline by giving them things to do. Teach them how to, to think. Teach them that what they reap, they sow. Don't always bail them out when they get in trouble. Um, sometimes kids can even be accused wrongly. But you know what? That's going to happen in life too. Teach them how to deal with those things. Teach them how to change tires, how to wash dishes. Teach them how to put on a tie. Um, I'm just trying to think of the different things that you can do to prepare them but teach them how to make good choices and that when they make a bad choice, you can't bail them out every time. Let them suffer the consequences of bad decisions. Those can be a deterrent to making more poor choices in the future. If you bail them out of poor choices, all you're teaching them is that somebody will be there to bail them out. Prepare them with faith. I mean, taking your kids to church is a good step, but if that's all you're doing to teach them faith, it won't be good enough. The church is meant to be a supplement to how you are raising kids in the faith. Um, what, what do you read together as a family? What do you talk about together as a family? How do you pray together as a family? How do you talk about faith as a family? How do you do that? Do you do that? That's a very important thing to do. When we were raising our kids, we came up with a family mission statement and values that were all from a biblical worldview. And we would talk about them, those particular things, the mission statement, what was our mission as a family, what are our core values, and we would sit down at least monthly, and we would pull that down from the wall because we framed it. We worked on it together. We went up and had pizza in the mountains, and we talked about what's important to us as a family. What does a good family look like? What does a Christian family look like? And we talked about it. And even though the kids were clueless as to what we were trying to do, they were able to collaborate. They were able to contribute, and they did very well at that. So I would wordsmith things, and I would say, is this what we mean? And I would wait for people to, to agree, and then we came up with a nice, clean document, and we put it on the wall, and we framed it. I still think we have that today um, in one of our storage areas because the kids are all now grown and uh, hopefully doing a similar thing in their homes. So we do want to prepare our kids. We, we can't just protect them. We also have to prepare them. So three things so far, 
pray for your kids, protect your kids, prepare your kids for the future. Do not delegate these things to the world. Do not delegate these things. I'm telling you, don't do it. You own it. There are institutions and organizations that can supplement what you're doing, but you certainly don't delegate it to them. The fourth thing that you want to do in raising kids who win is you want to praise your kids appropriately. You don't praise them for everything. You don't praise them for things that they should be doing. You don't praise them for that. You require that. You expect that. But when they, when they accomplish a big goal, when they go above and beyond, when they, when they do what they're supposed to do and then some, that's what you praise them for. It's important to praise them when they overachieve. And here's why. If you become overbearing, if the report card is never good enough, if you've never really realized that, you know, there's going to be some subjects that they excel in and some that they don't, that's going to be a problem. If your kids feel like it's never good enough, and then what they're going to feel from you is rejection. And I want to share this with you because this is really important. Rejection leads to rebellion. People who are rejected rebel. It's a defense mechanism. And when it goes beyond becoming a defense mechanism, it becomes a habit. And when it becomes a habit, it sows a seed in their soul, and they simply become rebellious. I just spoke to a grown man today that has been so wounded by his father and his mother that he has rejected the idea that he has an earthly father and an earthly mother. That's the depth of the despair. And I won't even tell you more what this gentleman got himself into that was dark and scary. Praise is very important. You don't throw praise around like you do with these participation trophies that are done today in so many athletic uh, arenas. I don't think we should be giving out awards for people doing what they should be doing. I think that lowers the bar. It creates a sense of entitlement. It's a weak thing to do. And it's spread through our nation now where it's almost like a disease that's expected that if I just show up, I get a trophy. Well, that's not how life works. You know that's not how life works. But I do think that we need to find areas that our kids need praise in. So, for example, you can give praise in losing. When someone tries something and skins their knee, but they get back up and try again, that is worth praise. When kids try something and it's hard and they quit, you don't want to teach quitting. You want to teach perseverance. You want to teach persistence. You want to praise the character attributes. When you see your kids help another kid, you want to praise that. You want to praise the things that make society better. You don't want to praise kids for making their bed. They need, they need to make their bed. That's what they need to do. That, that is a requirement. That's how you prepare them. But you need to praise them when they go that extra mile and get something done. Praise them for that. Praise them for the things that they're not good at that they work at. That's what you need to do. Praise them for the things that build their character. Build their character. All right, so we've said four things so far, and I'm going to end with one more. Pray for them, protect them, prepare them, praise them. And then the fifth thing is participate. Participate in their life. That means play with them. Get down at their level. Enjoy things with them. If they earn that ice cream cone, get yourself an ice cream cone and sit on the bench and lick that ice cream cone and laugh and giggle. 
Um, play word games, you know, together. Play table games together. My kids do a really great job at that with their kids. It's fun watching them do it. Uh, partner with them on projects. Um, get involved in community projects, mission projects. Uh, find an elderly couple to serve. Find a cause to serve. Include them in it. If you're going to walk a 5K or run a 5K for charity, get them involved in that. Participate together. You know, try to attend some of the things that they do. Maybe not all of them, but some of them. Um, so be their support, be their partner, and play with them. All right, let's summarize together. If you're married, the best thing that you can do for your kids is to have a great marriage. And sometimes you know how tough that is. Fight through it. Get through it. Make a good marriage the priority of your family. Pray for your kids. Protect them. Prepare them. Praise them. And participate in their life. If you do those things and you do them consistently, if you make a mistake, get back up and try again. You know, parenting isn't a perfect thing. But if you focus on those five things, pray, protect, prepare, praise, participate, I believe with incredible certainty you'll be raising kids who win. If you're not part of the Lead Today community, let me invite you. Go to leadtodaycommunity.com. That's leadtodaycommunity.com and sign up for Monday Moments. It's a weekly email that will encourage your leadership. Again, thank you for joining us today, and thank you for telling a friend about the Today Counts show.